All right, and welcome everybody to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. I am particularly excited. We don't have Kelly on today. We're actually getting really in-depth into some search strategies for 2020. I'm really excited about my special guest that I have on today, John Wall. If y'all have been listening to podcasts in the marketing world at any point, I'm sure you probably run into his podcast, Marketing Over Coffee. It's one of my personal favorites. I'm really excited to have you on today, John, and hear uh, your thoughts on what we've got ahead of us for search in 2020. So why don't you introduce yourself, John? Sure. Yeah. My name is John Wall. I host the Marketing Over Coffee podcast with Christopher Penn that you mentioned. And then Christopher and myself and our third partner, Katie Robert, work at Trust Insights. We've over 10 years of podcasting, actually 12 years of podcasting. We've been doing so much marketing and analytics that it actually spun itself into its own firm. Yeah. We're always into what's going on in marketing and tech and always up for talking search and analytics. Absolutely. And as I mentioned before, I even mentioned to you before we jumped on, John, I had jury summons yesterday in great old Atlanta and y'all helped keep my sanity on my ride down there. <laughs> so I highly recommend if y'all have not listened to Marketing Over Coffee, they've had some incredible guests on there and they're always pumping out amazing new content on a, ton, a broad range of marketing topics. So I highly recommend that y'all listen to it. Yeah, thanks. That was the seed for this years and years ago. It's just Kind of, if you work marketing and tech, you've all had that situation where you've been at a family gathering or some kind of cocktail party and nobody understands what you do or any of it. So to have a chance to talk and hear from other people doing the same stuff, you know, it's just amazing to have some people to connect with and share tactics and they understand your jokes and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. So as we're kind of getting started, what we're talking about today is kind of the the landscape of SEO and search kind of in 2020 as, as it's arrived today and then looking forward even into 2021. So we can start kind of figuring out what's the best way to navigate those waters, what tactics are working, and even more importantly with the listeners, how can that apply to the medical field that may look a little bit different than under other industries. So as we're jumping in, I wanted to get started and kind of get your thoughts in 2020, what are you seeing from a trends perspective when it comes to kind of search and search strategy that you think are the most important things that we kind of need to take notice of? Yeah, I think the biggest trend that we see for this year is that as privacy continues to ratchet up across social networks and as far as websites, it's so much more important for every business to have their own content out there and their own strategy for driving traffic to their websites and to, to find and acquire new customers because you're not just going to be able to buy your way into it or spend a lot of time on social and just have it show up. So really stepping up your game a little bit as far as being able to track what's going on your, your website and being able to keep track of how you're getting traffic to the website. And it doesn't have to be all online stuff. And in fact, especially for local, you know, doing stuff in the community or, you know, kind of more what people would call old school ads, you know, things at local restaurants or community events, all that kind of stuff, being able to track that to know what's working and not working is going to become critical to, to kind of gaining market share and staying ahead of the competition. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I know I was listening to one of y'all's recent episodes that you had done talking about, and we tell clients a lot all the time that you really, it's it just so critical to start investing in your own assets because the, I think the ad space, there's just so many unknowns and, and we tell our clients all the time, the last thing you want to do is get tethered to something that's completely out of your control. 
So the more you can focus on this, I think the more it gives you leverage as things continue to get more expensive on the advertising front and things begin to get more unknown. What do you think about that? I find it so important to make sure your control of your own destiny and search and investing in your own content is a great way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And the great thing about this is that this is all geofenced. You know, it's you you don't have to compete against the entire country. You know, you just need to be the best scoring for optometrist Tulsa. You know, if you've got that, yeah. then that yeah. that's good. You've got it. And you don't even compete with everybody else around the country. You know, you can look at the website of a Los Angeles optometrist and steal everything that they've got going on there and copy it and use the same tactics and just using it for your own cities and towns and, and local stuff. Yeah, that's that's such a good point that you bring up because I think when you look imperatively and you've worked in so many industries and us being so focused in medical, what is very different is unlike a lot of other large vertical spaces, even with the hospital systems that may take up multi-states, at the end of the day, it may be max regional, unless you're talking about, obviously, you've got like Cleveland Clinic and Mayo Clinic that have these massive repositories of almost like a Wikipedia for medical. But a lot, most practices, it just really boils down to how can I win in the distance that patients are willing to drive in that I think makes it very unique comparative to probably a lot of other industries that, that you've worked in. Yeah. And what makes it fun is, okay, so like we have a situation here where there's kind of three competing medical hospital, everything from full on hospital down to kind of these walk-in surgery and daycare centers, but they're actually all battling it out. And it's so cool that they can fight and run ad campaigns. I mean, you can, for $20 a day, you can go to war with your competitors and see if you can drive more traffic. And it, you know, it's not like you're trying to fight for mortgage on Google at $300 a click, you know, you can for a buck a click kind of make a, a run at certain terms and try and do stuff. So it's, but it, the challenge with that, of course, is the folks that are fantastic at that, they can go get paid huge gigantic dollars working at these mortgage companies. So it's the struggle of, okay, you kind of know what you need to do, but now who's going to spend all the time doing it and where do we start? What's the best kind of bang for our buck with that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. What are your thoughts now with it being so hyper-local? You're hearing so much in the way of voice search. It's time to optimize for voice search. 90% of millennials are using voice search on a daily basis between their phones and, and other tech that's in their house. I'm still not fully convinced, especially in the medical space, whether it's the trust factor or the fact that you can't physically see like the dental practice from a digital standpoint of who you're going to see, all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts from a voice search standpoint with as much as it's being utilized, but when it comes to the medical space, do you see that being something that's worth spending time and trying to optimize for on a local level? Or is it something we just kind of need to wait until that finally arrives? Yeah, this is a, it's a great question you ask because it, um, it, we see these types of questions coming up over and over all the time in marketing. And so the question is, you know, do I go kind of chase the shiny new thing and can I win? And yeah, exactly. uh, there's two kind of things going on with this that's unique to medical. One is the privacy end of it. Like I personally just feel that people don't want to be scheduling or trying to find out about medical stuff via voice search when they can sit down at their computer and do a bunch of Googling, you know, like they want to go to Yelp and see how many people like this doctor and, you know, they want more data. But then the other interesting thing with this on the, the voice search front is that it's very important actually to have your game 
at its peak on just the SEO front and your normal website because the problem with voice search is the voice device is only going to throw back the number one result. Yeah. Right. So if you're not that number one result, when the time comes, if voice does take off, you'll win. Um, so it, it's, uh, yeah, I would not, you know, definitely you don't need to be hiring somebody to build an Alexa app for you or, you know, <laughs> trying to hook We're into something. Yeah, I agree. But you need to, um, you know, fight all you can on your search terms because if the time does come where somebody's looking for podiatrist in uh, Honolulu, you know, if you're number one on Google, well, then on an Android device, you're probably going to be the first thing they can throw back. Now, from a voice search perspective, I'm curious, I'm sure listeners are out there too. When it comes to that first ranking and winning that, how is it, is there a delineation? Is it, is it more based off your GMB or your Google My Business map listing being number one or that first actual organic search spot? Where, what is it from a voice search standpoint that's going to get you into that number one voice search? Does it matter more about your map listing or your organic search result? Well, that's the million dollar question right there because we don't know how the algorithm gets tweaked on their side. So they're going to be able to do whatever they want. So you know, if it follows the normal progression of stuff, I would say that organic is going to be the first thing. If you're organic SEO, that's number one. And then, so that's first iteration. And then second iteration, this is funny. We've seen this on the podcasting side in that the individual players are unable to defeat the folks that are aggregators. So um, really, yeah, so you can be number one, you know, brain surgeon in Detroit, but all these posts of top 10 brain surgeons in Detroit, those will always eventually take all the organic juice away from the individual posts because everybody, they don't want to look at the brand. They want to look at the 10 and be able to pick yep. and have some feedback. And so um, Marcus Sheridan there, the sales line, like he was the guy that totally cashed in on that. He would always do a top 10 list for the town and have all his competitors listed and the competitors, they were so naive. They were like, Oh, this is awesome. Thanks for putting us on your website. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's stealing all their organic juice oh, and their business sure. and uh, killing it. And then they're so probably even sharing it on social and everything. To <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all their leads and prospects. Hey, he listed me as number one because he doesn't list himself. He says at the bottom, you know, we don't list ourselves because we're biased because we are actually the best. And, and I've proven it by hosing all these SEO results from these guys. Um, so that's second iteration. And, but then on top of that is third iteration too. I would totally not surprise me if there's going to come a point where if you sign up with your credit card and pay 20 bucks a voice query, you'll suddenly be at the top of the pile. And that has been interesting kind of through the grapevine, we're hearing that even on the Amazon Alexa side, that they're slowly starting to get into even this market in particular. Like we had a client that's got a multi-location psych psychiatric practice in the downtown Manhattan area, and they reached out to us about Amazon Alexa reaching out about a retainer program that the way they have to get you optimized and ranking. It had a very Yelp feeling to it. Like the account managers and everybody were really pushing it hard. <laughs> this is the first thing that I've heard about this. This is very interesting. It would be unfortunate if you no longer score as well as you yeah. used to last week. <laughs> exactly. And then they'll call you. An accident. Sometimes. We went through that when Yelp was like really firing on all cylinders. 
I think that was 80% of all the calls that we got into the agency as we tried to do a favor for our clients. It's like, hey, just send the Yelp or account manager over to us and we'll field the calls. Oh boy, it was bad. It's bad. And yeah, yeah. It gets, and that's, you know, obviously Amazon and Google both have their own rating five-star stuff. Like they, they all know how all that works. So yeah, it's uh, it would not surprise me at all if the folks that have 12,000 five-star reviews will just be undefeatable. Yep. I, I totally agree. It's interesting that you went, that you mentioned too, because this is actually a strategy we've even used internally for the agency. When we rolled out, because our podcast is only about six months old. So I knew we were at a large deficit comparative to the healthcare marketing space is not a huge space. So it was more of, well, can we win from a medical podcast related space? But you've obviously got Mayo Clinic and Beckers and all of those really large ones that have either been out around for a while or they have a domain authority of 95. And so we went out and created a top 16 best medical podcast list like about four, <laughs> four weeks ago. And it's already ranking in the third slot for any medical podcast. Related. You're crushing. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so it's so interesting. That's such a great way to just kind of corner the market. And like you said, then we have, and I wouldn't call them competitors because we're just in, in the same content creation space and, and love what everybody else is doing out there. But it's an easy share too, because you share that on LinkedIn. And we actually ended up in a health podcast network because of a relationship we built because we added the guy's podcast into our uh, list of 16. And it created a relationship that kind of dovetailed into doing other work together. So it's a good way. But yeah, so when it comes to competitors in the medical space, it can be a pretty, pretty uh, cutthroat way to get ahead. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what the frenemies kind of thing, you know, it's a, suddenly you step on each other at some point and it can get ugly quick, but there is no better way to, to kind of share resources and what the uh, rising tide raises all boats if you want to go with hackneyed metaphors. What do you see from a landscape perspective, because you mentioned it and alluded to it, and we're, we're really big fans of well, just, I wouldn't even say fans, just the reality of what exists is whether you're doing, say, a provider level search, so by a provider's name or something, or searching for a specialty type like pediatrician near me, you're going to run into the big players. Like Yelp was always up there. I see that they've really, I think they've really slid when it especially comes to the medical space, but you've got health grades and vitals and a lot of these other listings things. What is your opinion? I mean, from an offsite perspective, I think it's still a, a very strong necessary evil to make sure that you're taking over those pages, getting all of them optimized, making sure all the information is collected. I mean, there's so much from a listings management space that we hear about, especially being in the agency industry, but do you still think that that's a very viable thing that needs to be focused on? Yeah, it is. And so the key with this one, this is a, a good example of where you've got to have your own Google Analytics in order because you want to be giving UTM links to all of those places and use them wherever you can. So then at the end of the six month period, you can go back and look and say, okay, what are the top 40 places where the traffic came from? And so, you know, because even I was going through a round of this now, it's kind of like you get asked to do all this stuff, but then you go back and you say, oh, well, you know what, actually, this drove zero traffic over the last six month period. And at that point, you know, you may say, decide, do we want to do some paid ads or something to prove if this channel is, has anything at all? But, you know, odds are you probably have five other channels that you've been meaning to amp up a little bit more. Or maybe you have one or two channels that have proven that they bring the traffic every month. And you want to make sure that those are optimized before you go hanging out in the bad neighborhoods. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. I think that's a really good point because we, especially on the more individual provider or smaller practice level, we run into that a lot, like somebody in the aesthetic space and they are leveraging like real self, which is an aesthetics focused listings service. 
and they're coming to us and like, well, we're investing $500 or $1,000 a month on their ad platform. We don't even know if it's working because <laughs> there's just no visibility. And it's like, well, you got to get like, just to your point, you got to get UTM tracking set up. You got to get Google Analytics set up. Or you're literally just throwing stuff at a wall and just uh, guessing that it's working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, dead perfect as far as like, okay, here are the 647 ones. You just need to be able to say, well, look, we spend 500 a month on this and we're reasonably certain that we're making about five grand a quarter. So, you know, yeah, let's just keep the pedal, you know, foot to the pedal and keep spending the money. And you'll easily see the ones where, well, we're spending this money and it doesn't look like anything has ever come from any, and even you you can even do that, validate that with a patient, you know, I mean, as they're, going up for their next appointment. Hey, how did you hear about us? You know, yeah. how did you find out about us? And, Very true. You know, use those results to validate things. And um, you can at least, you know, you're not shooting in the dark. So leading into, I want to talk a little bit about the, the space that you're in with Trust Insights and, and being so focused on analytics. I wanted to hear from you some of the tools that you recommend, but even before we get into it, selfishly, because we're doing it a lot for the agency side, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Anything inside Google Analytics that you see when we're building out organic search, I think something that people across all of the industries really struggle with is kind of things in search are so intangible is how do you create real ROI metrics and even figuring out a lot of times it's just let's go after the search terms that are related to us that have the biggest volume and assume that that's going to correlate to sales, but it could be some long tail search query that actually has somebody right inside the sales funnel, right where you want them. And it may only be searched 30 times a month, but you're converting 15 of those people. Uh, Is there anything you're doing? What we've been doing actually is kind of leveraging Google search console to create some organic keyword tracking goals inside of Google analytics that have shed some interesting light we found on what is actually valuable from a search query standpoint. It may not always line up with whatever has the highest level volume search. Do you have any thoughts there as far as things that you recommend, whether it's Google Analytics or or Google Search Console that could gain more visibility for somebody out there on what's actually driving and converting and working? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously having your channel set up correctly, just so you can see organic versus social versus ads, you know, that kind of data can give really good insights as far as where you should be budgeting your time and money. So that's huge. As far as topics and terms, that's kind of where GA tends to slip a little bit. And that's a lot of the work we do at Trust Insights is, you know, grabbing stuff from Google Trends and then you know, mapping that out and running some machine learning against that so you can see what, you know, what you should be doing and where you should be. And now, and this is one area as far as tools. If you have competitors, then, you know, having something like an Ahrefs where you can go in and run full analytics on their sites to see what topics they're scoring for and what terms are, are effective for them. And then you can clone that and bring yourself up to speed. Or just the opposite, if, you know, your competitors are feeble, you can go look at what's your best content and go back and continue optimizing it. Because it, we, we see this all the time where people put a bunch of stuff out there and then, you know, after two or three years, we'll run this analysis and say, okay, here's the top 20 performing pages. And you go and refresh all that stuff, just make sure it's got a new publish date and, you know, just tweak it a little bit to make sure that it's current. And suddenly you see 10 or 20% lift in your overall traffic because you get, you know, SEO boost because that stuff's all fresh. It starts showing up even higher. 
So that's a big one. Other than we do a lot of predictive stuff where, you know, we can look at, you know, if you've got three or four years worth of history, you can create some really interesting reports on, okay, here's the time of year when stuff begins to peak. And so most people make the mistake of kind of like saying, okay, here's our budget divided by 12 and that's what we're going to spend every month. Yep. And, you know, you may go back in and realize that like, well, we probably don't need to be spending anything on, you know, in July or August. Uh, yeah. And, and this of course is, the big thing with this is everybody has all these seasonal biases that they think are the case. And a lot of times the data proves stuff otherwise, like in a bunch of industries, while we see that like the week between Christmas and new year's is just in some industries, you want to fight for your life for that week because mm -hmm. people finally have a little bit of free time and they're searching for stuff. And that's actually, those are critical weeks for new business. And then, the other side of it too, a lot of times there's times of day or weeks or month where there's no point in you spending any money because you just, you know, the track record has proven that nobody's ever looking for stuff in those hours and clicks you get at those points are just putting your money in a pile and lighten it. That makes total sense. And we, we see that a lot in the medical side because of the ebbs and flows of how insurance works as you close the year out. Things just get, it's the wild, wild west because you got everybody hit their deductibles. Everybody's ready to get in and get... <laughs> <laughs> all of their head to toe stuff done. And then the new year starts and it's like, no, nope, I'm good. I spent plenty of money on my health before the end of the year. <laughs> right, right. The $3,000 pair of glasses in December that are, are getting burned out and all that stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I love the point that you brought up because it's actually even kind of putting our money where our mouth is. It's one of the most successful things that we've seen in organic growth traffic for our website on the agency level is that content update that you referred to. It's such a low hanging fruit thing that I think so many people miss. And if you just section off some time to update the stuff that's working, I mean, we've seen upwards of a 20, 30, sometimes even 40% uptick in search traffic for even old blog posts that we've already carved out an area. Let's go and add some LSI keywords. Let's go out and add a little bit more, either remove some out of date stuff, add some more on stuff that matters in this this time frame and then just simply update it and you just sit back and just watch your traffic <laughs> watch the numbers come in or you want to do a real gut punch is run that report against your competitors and grab all their stale stuff and you do new posts on it um you know on your side and that's a great idea yeah that's watch a it slide over one thing that we deal with in this space i'd like you like your thoughts if you have any on a lot of doctors, as this kind of landscape is growing further out and more patients, I think, are getting involved in their kind of what we call empowering their own health journey and kind of taking their health into their own hands. So even when you get into stuff that just you never really could imagine either people self-referring or going in and diagnosing themselves and walking through, which I know drive doctors crazy, but it's happening all the time. There's a lot of markets that are almost being created or discovered. Do you have any tips, whether it's leveraging digital advertising or leveraging social? A lot of times we'll come in to say a doctor that's doing sarcomas or something and they have, they do have a captive audience. It may not be large, but there's not much search footprint that exists there yet. So you're kind of at a rock and a hard place of like, well, we can rank number one, but the problem is, is that there's one person searching for it. So it's kind of figuring out how you start that education funnel. Is it Facebook groups? Like what do you recommend when you kind of have these new search landscapes that are evolving as more patients are getting involved in their healthcare? Yeah, that's a great question because really one of the big problem, well, it's not a problem. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast with healthcare and that healthcare is 
special in that every other business is talking about one-to-one marketing and getting to one-to-one, but you know, medical is, right? Everybody's got a unique diagnosis and they have personal time with the healthcare professional. Like it is one-to-one. And so a lot of this, it unfortunately looks behind the curtain and exposes a lot of this marketing stuff as pure baloney that, you know, is trying to be one-to-one and isn't. And when you layer that on top of the one-to-one service you're doing, it exposes it as, you know, just not, not cutting it. Um, and then of course, to make things worse, you have the whole privacy thing. Like it would be great if you could take your existing list of customers and just be like, Hey, you know, we work with these folks, you know, but you can't divulge any of that stuff. Yep. Very so, true. so you're, you're kind of trapped there. So I think a a big part of it then is to not look at it from the marketing tactic and the kind of spray and pray thing, but really take it back to a personal level. You know, think about how can you get in front of people in the community who have this problem. So, you know, sarcoma, like you're talking about, if you're running at the local library once a year, a session on, you know, what is this and how does it get treated and what does it do? people will self-select for that. And of course you're in the community with your name out there with that. So something like that is, is critical. And the other one too, which is, this is just so funny. This is old school marketing one, but is the, um, you know, new residents just moved to town package or whatever. A lot of towns have these things where, you know, there's an agency that looks at who were the folks that moved into town over the past six months and send a, a welcome package or something like that kind of stuff is, that's where all your new business is going to come from. You know, everybody else that's been in the town for 20 years, you're, you're hoping for personal referrals. But anytime anybody moves in, that's a chance to get somebody on the roster that you've never had before. That's very true. That's, yeah, that's such a good point. And it is a very old school marketing approach. But it also, I mean, when you're dealing with care, it's just, it's just so much different than like an e-commerce website or, or, or something else that doesn't have such a personal effect on you that these old school approaches are still super, super effective because people want to feel like they have a voice and they're taken serious and establish a no like, and trust relationship with whoever is going to be their point of care provider before they even walk through the door. That's a, it's a great way to do so. Yeah. So, you know, the way to think about it is like always as a medical professional trying to do this marketing, you're not going to copy what software companies or Amazon or any of these things other companies do. You're going to want to copy the local schools, you know, anything that a school does, you're going to want to yeah, do that's a great point. anything that uh, real estate professionals do. You know, that's all the kind of stuff that you want to copy and, and get involved. With. And that, unfortunately, it's a huge ask, right? Because fantastic medical professionals tend to be procedure oriented and very rigid. And you're really looking for, you know, a politician to go out and shake hands and, you know, smile and be seen with the babies. And those are two very different skill sets. So it can be very challenging. That's very true. And then obviously as they move into the surgical stuff, that's what my business partner does a lot of that space that you reference with physician liaisons where they're kind of those business development people, but they're really more focused on that customer service component and that's why it, I think, is so effective because it can really stall out as doctors get out of residency and fellowship. They start new practices. They have all intents and purposes of going out and getting involved in the community, meeting their other providers, and then life just happens. They have 10 surgeries a day, and they're trying to grow a practice and trying to figure out how to be a business person in the same sense. And so then it just all falls to the wayside, and then they're, they're frustrated when they can't get patients. It's like, well, nobody knows who you are, and, and nobody's searching <laughs> for that online right now, so you need to go out in the community. Yeah, and we have, you know, everybody talks about healthcare expense for policyholders and all that, but we really have failed doctors too, and that they've just become so buried in 
all of the latest uh, EMR stuff, you know, keeping track of what's going on. And it, they're just, their days are like packed from end to end. And I know a lot of situations where people aren't able to give the time to the patient that they want to give. So yeah, we, we, we have some work to do on that front. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, the whole EMR space has created just such such a nightmare scenario for both private practice as well as the hospital level, just as that's really becoming a reality that they need to get on board um, from a compliance standpoint as now it's just creating, I mean, we have, we have a, a group in Florida that we know well that's going to spend upwards of a couple billion dollars just on implementation for their EMR system for their whole hospital system. And it's just like, that's such a staggering number just to get everybody on board and working in the same direction. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, this is, so this is the same thing you see just in the mainstream with customer data platform CDPs, but it's just, you know, with an EMR, this is in the public good too, you know, to have all these things proprietary, that kind of is defeating some of the huge wins of if this stuff is on an open platform, you really can look at what's going on in healthcare and how disease spreads or what treatments are most effective. I mean, they're incredible opportunity for us, for all of humanity, if we can get this right. But yeah, it's, it's going to, be a tough fight that we have to fight every single day. I agree. I, I, yeah, I, I could not agree more. I mean, the, the space still remains so fragmented. I mean, between the number of EMRs and the clearing houses and a lot of people not knowing where to get their data from. I mean, it's, it's kind of a new journey almost every time that you enter a situation, whether it's a hospital or a private practices, they either can't run their reports or they've got a different EMR than the last person. So there's no clarity on their data. They don't know where their patients are coming from. They'll tell you, this is my biggest referral. And you actually look at the real numbers and they're not or not the most <laughs> valuable patients. And so, yeah, it's, it's very difficult because from a marketing standpoint, it's very hard to close that loop because you have a CRM that can integrate to an EMR but then in the middle of that, you have to have a patient engagement software that can do HIPAA compliant text messaging and, and all of that kind of stuff. So then you've got three systems, one trying to talk to the other, trying to talk to the other. But at the end of the day, the source of truth is the EMR, which they have no customer service and they can't integrate into anything. <laughs> so it's, it just is a mess. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I don't know. It, part of me believes that like the space is ripe for disruption. You know, I could totally see somebody coming up with a subscription program where you pay instead of your insurance premium, you just pay a fixed monthly premium. And for all the physicians in that network, they get compensated on keeping you healthy and out of the hospital. And yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems like there's a huge opportunity there, but of course it's, you know, it would completely disrupt the entire world. But I think, you know, the money's definitely there and people want it. And I don't know. Yeah. I guess, uh, Jeff Bezos, what are you waiting for? That's all I can think of. <laughs> it's coming, I'm sure. After Walmart announced its healthcare rollout, it's a matter of time with Amazon, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, see. There's like a grocery store and a, uh, a quick care um, medical practice all in one. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I'm a little rough on getting my colonoscopy from the lowest bidder. <laughs> um, that's not a position I want to be in. But They're only making a 1% margin. They're cheaper than everybody else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> for your colonoscopy. No, that's it. That's excellent. All right. So now that we've talked about that, um, anything else as we're kind of wrapping up some thoughts? I know you mentioned HREFs. Any other tools um, they can range the gamut, whether it's for doing the research or getting visibility on ROI that, that you think are worth a mention before, before we wrap anything up for the listeners out there? 
Yeah. What's well, the low hanging fruit is definitely Google analytics, you know, get that up and running. Like you should be able to know every month, like, okay, how, what was traffic like this month and where did it come from? You know, cause that's the, the biggest thing that you at least want to get some kind of idea of what the heck is working. So I would say to everybody, just at least start there and, and move upward from that. Okay. Excellent. And, oh, we actually forgot one topic I wanted to hear your thoughts on because I was listening to one of your episodes yesterday and y'all had hit on Haro, which I thought brought up a good point because we've talked a lot about on-site stuff, but there's obviously a lot of opportunity for building visibility, whether it's guest posting or, or getting some mentions and backlinks, those kind of things. And you'd mentioned Haro. Is there any thoughts? One, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Haro in general, because you had a really cool hack because it can be overwhelming if you're familiar with what Haro is out there. Yeah. So Haro, help a reporter out. This is a service that's been around forever. Um, the idea is that basically you sign up for it and get, I think it's three times a day now, you get this email with 20 to 30 or more articles that reporters are looking for feedback for on. So like, it's perfect if you look in there and, you know, item number 15 says, hey, we need a dentist to talk about, you know, bonding or whatever, you know, the topic is. And so you can answer and say, oh yeah, hey, Dr. Smith over here is an expert on this. He'd be happy to help you with your story. But of course, what we found is that it's become overwhelming. You know, it used to be manageable, but now suddenly, you know, you're getting 150 in a day and everybody on the team ignores the emails because they just can't make it through it. So the neat thing that Chris had done is he actually has these fed just into text uh, analysis and does data mining against it. So he just gets alerts with like, okay, here's Google Analytics business intelligence. Here's a story on that. And all of the, you know, how to make great French fry articles get filtered out. And he never sees any of that stuff. So, so that's a, a good way to get through it. The, an interesting thing on that front too, now, now though, to keep an eye on is that there's a lot of, you know, quote unquote articles that are companies publishing content. You know, they're not really trade publication. So you do have to kind of keep an eye on who the requester is. And again, it's still, you know, it always loops back to GA. You can look at the domain and say, okay, are these people that have ever sent us traffic in the past? And if not, then you're like, okay, I'm not going to waste time on that. Or you pick a number you want to test. But uh, yeah, Haro is a, it's a good way to get in. And again, if you, you know, you don't have to do full machine learning model like Chris does, just throw them all into the same Gmail folder. And then once a month, go do, do a search for, you know, podiatrist in that folder and see what comes up. Yeah, or I, I, of course I say once a month, that would, that wouldn't work. You'd have to do it weekly so that you, the reporters don't get, because they usually, some of them, God forbid, have single day turnaround, but most of them at least have two or three day turnaround. But yeah, just do a search against it rather than, and, all right, yeah, if you even want to get cooler, you can, and within your Gmail, you could set up a filter so that when it comes in, it actually gets searched for that. And then it gets, you know, thrown to another folder or uh, stars it. So you can see the ones that are starred. But yeah, that's a good way to save yourself some time as opposed to reading through 50 billion of them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good good thing. Yeah, you probably leverage a couple of free zaps with you, if you use Zapier or something like that and, and be able to down-select at least a little bit quicker if you're not as, as sophisticated as Chris is setting up all of that. Yeah, well, if you got zaps rolling, that'll be cool. Then you can have them pop up in Slack or text here or something even more annoying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that you brought up. I've definitely noticed a shift over the last two or three years because we, not only for our clients, but ourselves use Haro a lot, but it's definitely with the rise of agencies that are just focused on this whole world of backlinking, it's definitely created a lot of a spam situation you have to be careful of inside of Haro because it's just a lot of people trying to build backlinks or trying to get that list of like 75 different Facebook ads to <laughs> just aggregate everyone, every, every single submission that's in the whole entire world. 
And it's a lot yeah, of publishers reaching out on behalf of their client to submit a spammy thing just so they can get a backlink. Yeah, yeah. I had a request this morning for one that was like, hey, you know, you gave us great tips last year. And as I went back and looked, I was like, you know, I was one of 150 people in this article. Yeah. I'm, not, uh, I'm not here to rate your content for you. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Well, I wanted to thank you, John, for taking some time to, to come on today and talk to the listeners. I think there's a, a, some amazing topics that we covered in search that uh, people are going to find really valuable. So with wrapping up, I just wanted to kind of circle back around. If y'all have not listened to Marketing Over Coffee, jump over there. Y'all are available on all of the major listening platforms, right? Plus you get your podcasts. We're uh, out and about. Excellent. And if y'all haven't checked them out, check out Trust Insights too. And we'll make sure to get all of this stuff uh, into the show notes as well. So y'all can find out more information about John and get connected with him over on LinkedIn. So thanks again, John. Really enjoy the time having you and we'll have to maybe do a follow up down the road. That's great, Justin. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.